What's up, everyone? I'm Brady Morgan, and I'm the host of the Budget Trek Podcast. If you haven't already, head over to Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button, and review and rate the podcast. That would be very much appreciated. Before we dive in, I want to talk about our sponsor. SocialX is a community of entrepreneurs working together to make a positive impact on the world, scale their businesses, make more money, and build their networks with like-minded individuals. They teach entrepreneurs how to go from zero to six figures through weekly mastermind calls featuring top business leaders, online courses, and amazing events all over the country. If you're interested in learning more about SocialX, go to socialxevents.com and tell them you came from the Budget Trek podcast. Now, on to the show. What's up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am the host of the Budget Trek podcast here with Mikey Taylor. He is an ex-pro skateboarder, the president of Commune Capital, and helping people create a path to financial freedom. Mikey, what's going on, man? What's happening? Thanks for coming on, man. In the midst of all of this, it's uh. It's been a struggle trying to get everything scheduled, but we're here. So, yeah, what's funny is we had a hard time getting the schedule before this whole virus thing blew out. This was like eight weeks in the making. It's like we needed the virus to actually get it scheduled. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But awesome, uh, man. No, it's a pleasure. Thanks, man. So, so for the newer listeners out there, Budget Trek really started as a a documentation for me and my wife's journey towards financial freedom, the struggles, the successes, and interviewing people on their similar journeys, but I realized that people really like to hear about entrepreneurship in general and the struggles that people incur along that path from getting to where they start to success. So that's where Mikey is today and how he's going to tell his story. But before we get into that, Mikey, I always ask this first question. What is the dumbest thing you have ever spent money on? Oh, people aren't going to like this answer. Uh, my first home. Your first home? Yeah, it was the dumbest thing I've ever spent my money on. <laughs> so, so let's explain that because you're, you're a part of Commune Capital, which I'm assuming is real estate. Yeah. So why, why do you think your first home was a dumb purchase? Because, because I made a decision to spend that much money on something I was uneducated in. And I say that being, you know, when I was a kid, I was told, buy a house, it'll be the greatest investment you ever make. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like blindly without doing any information. Okay, cool. I'm just going to put my money. In. This is a great investment. And I bought a house in 2005. Uh, you know, two years later, my financial advisor who became my mentor and then partner tells me to sell my house. He's like, dude, sell this thing. And I'm like trying to argue with him. Like, no way. This is the best investment <laughs> I've ever made. He's like, dude, sell the house. Uh, I don't sell it. And uh, I owned that thing for about 15 years and didn't make $1. So that was a a big learning curve for me uh, that when it comes to, and I I get it. Like, look, have I bought stuff that's probably more dumb than that? Sure. (laughs) Uh, But that was, as far as the big amount of dollars spent, uh, that was a pretty dumb one for me just because I didn't know what I was doing when I did it. Right. But what I think is cool too, is you kind of have that story to tell to people because you are with coming capital and real estate and you can tell people, Hey, this is what I did. And this is what I feel about it. So kind of make your decision based off that. But you know, what's interesting, Mikey is you were a skateboarder, a pro skateboarder, and now you're not, you're an entrepreneur. So kind of walk me through that journey. How did that transition happen? Um, it was, it was actually more of a long transition than, uh, than short, but basically I became a pro skateboarder. Uh, I loved what I did, 
but I picked a career that had no longevity in it. Right. So I was constantly trying to figure out what, how I could use this and put myself in a better position after instead of, you know, the typical path, which is I was a pro skateboarder. I did all these cool things. And then the rest of my life, I just talk about all the cool things I did back then. And I was just really fearful of that more than anything. So I was trying to find a way to prolong my career. And what I saw a lot of guys in the skateboard industry do was start their own companies. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they would start board companies or shoe companies and they essentially would sponsor themselves. So they would just keep sponsoring them because they own the company. So I was like, Ooh, that's like a, a good position to be in. So that was like the first like glimpse that I saw of like, okay, other skateboarders can own their own companies. I'm going to do that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as like entrepreneurship, like I came from skating. I didn't even know that was a thing. I just saw like, Oh, these skateboarders own their company. Uh, and then I just tried to basically imitate or replicate them. Yeah. So when did you decide that you were going to stop skateboarding and be an entrepreneur full time? Professionally, like and professional skateboarding. Mm-hmm. I actually, uh, I had a sponsor, which was all of my income. Uh, they dropped me early. So I had like a two year, con- like we, our, our contracts are uh, timelines, right? So right. Like if you have a deal with a shoe company for three years, you can pretty much guarantee you're going to be pro for three years. And then once it ends, then you just don't know how much longer you have. You have to get another contract. So I had time left on my contract. I ended up getting hurt. I had surgery on my leg. And two months after I had surgery, uh, they ended my contract. So I was laying on the couch. I was probably about six to nine months out from full recovery with no income and pretty much had to make a decision on, you know, if I was going to keep skating, recover, try to get another sponsor and see how much longer I could go or take this time as, you know what, this is my moment to fully step away. Even if I don't all the way want to, uh, that was kind of in what I viewed as my best bet. Yeah. I definitely see where, you know, people make those big transitions. Like I played, I played soccer for a long time and I played college soccer and there's always this passion because you think about how much time you put into it. And then when you quit, you're like, man, all that time was wasted. You know, mm-hmm. and it's kind of how you feel, right? But it's, it's like, it, it's kind of serves a bigger purpose. Because I think when you are competitive, it kind of gears you for the competitive nature in business. Because you do mm-hmm. have to kind of have that, you know, kill or be killed mindset. So have you noticed the, the transition of your mindset from skateboarding correlate with your mindset today? Um, yeah, yes. It's funny, I try and tell skaters this all the time. <laughs> There's something about skateboarding that's so hard and takes so long to get good at that it attracts this personality that is just like willing to just fight over and over and over to, in our case, land a trick, right? So the example would be, you know, the first trick I ever learned was how to ollie. It's when you jump and your board stays with you. Right. That probably took me, I don't know, nine months of trying it every single day until I learned it. And then the next trick took another six months. And then all the way to me being pro and skating at like, you know, the best of my ability, I still couldn't land tricks every try. Like when I would go try to film a trick for a video, it would take hours to just land at one time. So it, Skating more than anything builds just resilient people that are willing to go through hell to feel that feeling of success. Yeah. And so, you know, that was one thing going into business 
where it's a similar environment, it feels like in, in a lot of cases, shit and nothing's working and on the, and the, you know, walls are falling in on you and it can break you. And I think having that kind of determination of like, okay, I'm used to being in an environment of pain. I'm used to things not working and I know what it's like to just keep pushing through. And then I also know what it's like to feel it on the other side. Oh my gosh, all of that torture I just went through feels awesome <laughs> now. So yeah, uh, it, it's definitely kind of brought that into, into the business world where I, I'm not scared when things don't work. I'm not scared when things get hard. It's more uh, normal or, or kind of everyday life for me now. Do you, do you think people who, who were athletes have an upper hand in terms of resilience when it comes to business? Because this is something you definitely have to learn and when you're learning at a younger age, you're kind of gearing yourself for the longer term play. So it, on the resilience factor, yes. But athletes struggle with something else that I think most people don't have to struggle with. And it's finding your purpose and identity, right? So you can be resilient as hell. But like when your career ends, a lot of us are, it's like the lights go out. We don't know what's up and the time it takes to find yourself again uh, for a lot of people takes the rest of their life. So it's like, yeah, they're resilient, but it's really hard to get into the next situation. We're like, here I am, let's go. Um, So pros and cons to both. Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. And I think, you know, it's like you said, it's finding your purpose. And I think for people that do like your, like yourself and other skateboarders own their own companies, they're the lucky ones because they kind of know this is what I want to do but I'm sure you knew plenty of pro skateboarders that probably aren't doing anything now because they never found that purpose beyond skateboarding. Yeah. And that's a scary thing for a lot of people. Gosh, it's all of us. If you think about it, it's just athletes have to go through it a little sooner. You know, you see like a lot of like the, like the older generation when they kind of end their career in their sixties, you hear about a, you know, um, a lot of them struggle with depression. They, They lack purpose. They don't know what they're supposed to do anymore. It's like, we're built to understand or need to know why we're here. And if you can't answer it, how do you know what you're supposed to be doing? You know? So I think just athletes are hit at a time where uh, you're just young. You're not like, that's not normal to have to go through that struggle. Like 30 years old going, okay, I thought I had it figured out. I thought I knew who I was. Bam. Now I don't. Yeah. And, And that's a scary thing today, man. With social media, it's like, just for me, like you feel like all these other people that are younger than you have their lives figured out and you're like, shit, I got to have my life figured out too. But I think what people have to understand is like everybody's journey is different. And that's what I'm trying to get to here is like, whether you find your calling at 15 or 45, at least you found your purpose and everything that you went through getting to that point was for a reason. But it's really hard. And I'm sure you know that it's really hard to see that 45 years of, of hard work actually playing a purpose in life. Yeah, that's right. But you know, people like you and people like me and other people on social media, it's like, okay, just, just keep going. It's going to make sense. But of course it's easier said than done. But when you were, when you, when you first, you know, took that leap to, you know, do entrepreneurship full time, Mm -hmm. did you immediately feel like you had found your purpose or were you still kind of figure it out? Um, so I was dabbling in both for a while. There was a stretch of about, I don't know, six years where I was, I was skating and uh, owning, starting my own companies. So 
there was a part of it where it was, it was a very easy transition uh, into business. The finding my purpose for me took, uh, it took a year probably of just like lost in a sense. And this was already after I had businesses. We had already sold a business at this point and like still no clue who I was. That, yeah. I, that was, and that I think is relatively quick to have like gone through that point and it only take a year um, from at least what I've seen. Uh, I'm thankful that it didn't take five or 10 yeah, because I imagine for a lot of people, it does take that long. Yeah, I mean, dude, we're talking about like, <laughs> you know, that's a that's a tall ask. It's just yeah. like, okay, everything you knew, you no longer know now. And uh, what's new for you? Especially like, you know, when you come from pro sports, like, dude, people know who you are. People follow you, right? Yeah. So you're, you're, you're struggling with your ego. You get praise doing one thing. You can, it, there's this like pull at you where it's like, okay, if I go this way, no one knows who I am and no one gives a shit about me. If I kind of stay over here, I still get that love. I still feel yeah. good about myself. So like, like remember dude, finding purpose is, it's not just as easy as going, okay, I'm going to find my purpose. Like you've really got to bring down all the walls, come to terms with like a lot of like deep things that uh, a lot of us are scared to address and you ultimately have to like be brought to your knees to be able to find out who you are. And yeah. man, you either got to be willing to do that or be so beaten down where you're just like, fine, I'll, I'll do it. You know? <laughs> so it, depending on how, depending on how stubborn you are to let go of whatever you want to call it, the ego is going to be, I think, dependent on how long it takes you to get out of it. I think another key component of this is risk, risk taking, mm, yeah. because I was talking to my dad and, and my dad is almost 60. So, you know, from society standards, it's not the ideal time to take a risk. Right. Mm -hmm. But I was telling him, I said, in my opinion, probably the worst feeling in the world is when you're on your deathbed wishing you had done more because you only get one yeah. life. Of That's course, right. you know, I don't try to push religion on anybody, but of course there's, you know, heaven or hell or whatever you believe in. But in your actual human life, you only get one chance. And mm. I was telling him, I said, I was like, Dad, at the end of the day, take a risk or not, fail or not, who cares? You're going to die anyway, yeah. you know? Yeah. So yeah. It's, it, at least, you know, I, I think people who fail doing something they love are infinitely more happy than people who succeed doing something they hate. Yeah. And that's a yeah. hard thing to come by. But, I mean, it is what it is, you know? But I totally agree. Do, you, do people still recognize you for uh, pro skateboarding today? Yeah, people still do. <laughs> <laughs> Were you on yeah. like uh, the video games and stuff, Tony Hawk, Pro Skater 4 and everything? Uh, Tony Hawk came out uh, before I had turned pro. So I wasn't okay. on the Tony Hawk games. Um, people know me just from, you know, skaters, of course, as we follow skate videos and right. magazines religiously. Uh, and then when social media hit, it, it kind of uh, got a little bit bigger than like any of us as pros had felt yeah. like for skating, you know, like we always had a break from it. Like, you know, we go to the skate park, everyone knew who we were. And then we go out to dinner in real life and no one knew who exactly. we were. So it was like this, like, Ooh, I get to like play in both. Yeah. Uh, but when social media hit, it got a little bit more blended where it was like, okay, mm -hmm. I'm not like one of these, like, you know, full blown stars, but like, dude, people recognize me like daily. This is kind of crazy. <laughs> you know, do you, do you still skateboard today? Uh, just for fun, uh, and not as much as I 
like to. I'm trying to like be on this like once a week, but dude, even that turns into like twice a month pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think too, like, so like for me, I, I haven't played soccer in years and mm-hmm. it got to the point to where if I'll tell myself I'm going to train every single day, it started to feel like a job. And that's when it didn't, it wasn't fun for me anymore. Cause mm-hmm. I said, I'm the only reason I'm training is to succeed. And I'm not training because I like to train. Mm-hmm. And that was the issue for me. So like today I don't play because I don't necessarily want to. And I'm not saying you yeah. don't necessarily want to skateboard, but it's not a priority. And you probably don't want to feel the pressure of like, I got to skateboard every single day. I got to keep that, you know, passion alive, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like, it com- comes back to purpose, right? It's like yeah. my, if you would have asked me five years ago. So, you know, that's why I spend every second of every day doing it. it. That is, it's not my purpose anymore. So it doesn't have that same, uh, I don't know, a uh, feeling of accomplishment or love right. or desire. It's just changed, you know? Now it's just like a, a fun, like passion, <laughs> you know? But passion is very different than purpose. Right. What, uh, what, what makes you feel accomplished today? Oh, man. That's um, a big question. Sorry. <laughs> no, it, 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 honestly, it, it's funny because when people ask, it, it actually comes off a little selfishly. So no, I'm going to apologize for it being selfish, but... Uh, when I was skating, it was all focused on me, right? It was like, I'm doing what I want to do. How could I better myself? How could more people see what I'm doing? When I stepped out of skateboarding and, and started this new company specifically, it was more geared around helping people. And there's a different feeling you get when somebody either tells you in person or emails you or however they get a hold of you and says, thank you. Like what you did really helped me in this way that type of feeling feels so awesome that that's why I think it sounds selfish. I'm like, Oh, now I'm back to like how I feel. But, uh, yeah, dude, that, that is like by far like the the thing that makes me feel accomplished now is like, you know, trying to do something for someone else. That's a little bit less selfish, even though it feels good. (laughs) But I mean, just like we keep coming back to its purpose, you know, your purpose of what you're doing right now and you're passionate about that purpose. And if it helps someone else, you're like, shit, that feels good. You know? And I think uh, just like I come back to it, if, if you help someone by doing something that you don't necessarily like doing, it doesn't hold that same level of accomplishment. You know, it's cool. You help someone, but it's like, who cares? You know, it doesn't really matter. But, um, I, I think all of us too, as entrepreneurs, we really have to be in tune with our why. Cause it's really easy, I think, to get discouraged, especially in the digital world. Cause it's, um, there's lots of failures out there and not everyone really takes failure the same way, but I always like to ask, what's your why? I mean, everyone has that why that's just in their brain every single day. Oh, this is, this is a good, this is good. This is a great question. My why on why I do what I do. Yeah. Oh man, it's it, it, going to be, be impossible to answer without it being uh, a little bit religious. But no, oh, no, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. My why is because this is what I'm called to do. I believe that God gave me these talents and these gifts to uh, to live the life He wanted me to live. And so, you know, I, I, and you kind of brought this up. I, I, 
what I don't want to happen is basically for me to die, meet my creator and him go, I gave you all of that and you did nothing. Right. You know, like I, I, I want to basically live my life so that when I die and I see him, he says, good job. That's, that, that's, that's ultimately my why. It's like, <laughs> you know, yeah. you gave me this and how can I use this to, to better the people around me? No, I mean, that, that resonates with me a lot. I mean, like, like I said, I don't try to push religion. I usually let the interviewee start that conversation, but I mean, I'm the same way. It's like God has put us on this earth for a purpose individually yeah, and the worst feeling is to get you know to the gates of heaven, and and he's just like, what happened? You yeah. know. And have you heard Have you heard Ed Milet uh, explain this kind of? I haven't. I haven't. It's so good. It, it, I'll tell you real quick. It's amazing. So he's like, I love this idea that like, when I die, I'm gonna see myself at my greatest potential, right? Like, if I would have done everything to my highest calling, this is what I would look like. And I'm terrified that when I die, I'm going to see that person and not recognize them. So my goal in life is to look as much like that person when it ends. Uh, I, I, I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's powerful, man. And, and it's, it's just crazy. Like the capabilities of humans, you know, it's yeah. like everyone paints this picture of who they want to be like but they look up to people at the same time, you know, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, all these billionaires. And they're like, there's no way I would ever make it to that level. But I'm thinking, do you think that they ever thought they would get to that level? You don't know. You really don't know. All, all you can do on a daily basis is pursue what you think you're called to pursue with, I think, integrity, respect for other people, mm. with passion, with purpose. And that's all you can do. And I, and I think that's really all God is calling you to do. But again, doing what you're called to do on a daily basis with those four virtues is way easier said than done. Mm, it's really easy to get discouraged. It's really easy That's to want to quit. And God's saying, Hey, what you're doing now, I'm planting the seed for 10 years from now, but you just have to trust me. That's right. I'm so, like from a human being perspective, I'm like, no, I don't trust you. You know, <laughs> just, you know, yeah. plain thought, but it's like, you have to, Yeah. and you have to realize right. that what you're doing right now is serves a bigger purpose. That's right. I agree. So I want to switch gears here for a second with everything that you've done, pro skateboarding, uh, being an entrepreneur, very successful. Everyone has their own definition of what financial success looks like. And contrary to popular belief, I don't really think we ever reach our version of financial success because as human beings, you know, we have these goals and I attribute financial success as a goal. And when we get close to hitting those goals, we've already got a new goal in our head that's escalated to another level. Mm -hmm. So do we ever reach our full potential? I don't think so, but everyone has a different opinion on that. Mm -hmm. So what does financial success mean to you right now? And how do you predict that changing over time? Oh, uh, I would say financial success has changed for me over the years. To tell you the truth. Uh, when I was younger, financial success meant uh, as basic as this could be, I never want to worry about money. It's something that I just don't want to be uh, concerned with, right? Uh, as I got older, I realized that uh, the fear and emotion that I was having towards money is what I was scared of mm -hmm. because I, I just didn't want to be panicking about how I pay something. Uh, and so I was like, okay, great. I just need to get to financial 
financial freedom, right? I need to have I need to have my interest be able to cover my expenses and I never have to be scared about what I have to pay. That was kind of uh, my understanding of it at a young age. What I realized is kind of two things. One, you can never accomplish that until you remove the emotion from money and learn how to not let money control you, but how to live with money to the, the kind of true calling that you are, right? They right. talk about money being a representation or a multiple of, of what you already are, right? So if you're greedy and you get a ton of money, you're just going to be more greedy. It highlights your flaws, right? Mm. So what I learned was that I needed to be better with myself so that when I did have money, it amplified the great things about me, not the bad. And once I had that, that actually happened on my path to becoming financially independent. And then I realized this was more powerful than that. Because if money doesn't control you, even if you aren't at financial independence, you're succeeding with money. Right. Right. Our whole goal is not be ruled by money, but we live in a world where you need money to survive. So where's the balance? And, and once I achieved the first part on my way to the second part and then achieved the second part, I realized that the first part was all I really needed to, <laughs> to have, you know? Yeah, because I, I wanted to ask that question because I noticed that in your bio on Instagram, your whole premise, it seems like, is helping people create that path to financial freedom. So mm-hmm. how exactly are you creating that path? So my belief on it is uh, you can't just – it's less about the tool and more about the behavior because you 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 have to have the behavior side down to even put yourself in a position to do something like invest. Right. It's kind of what we just talked about. So the path of it is ultimately the behavioral side, learning how to put yourself in a, in a disciplined scenario to be putting money away towards your future for a long amount of time. Right. It's kind of what we talk about entrepreneurship. The challenge with financial independence is everyone makes it seem very similar to entrepreneurship. It's easy. You put a bunch of money in mailbox money. You never have to work again. It sounds incredible. Right. What people don't tell you is that it's brutal. It takes a lot of sacrifice telling yourself no to the things you want, right? That's not easy to do, to sit there and go, you know what? I'm going to put money towards my future and I'm not going to spend it on something that I want right this second and it's going to be better for me down the road in 20, 30 years, right? That's not a sexy message, it takes all of that to get to financial freedom. And then the vehicles in how you accomplish it, uh, we, f- we primarily focus as a company and our opportunity it, as real estate, but I'm a big believer in diversifying. I, I, I don't think everyone should just go, okay, you're all in on real estate right. or you're all in on the stock market. Or, you know, I'm, I've always been taught that you diversify so that when something happens there, you don't lose the total loss. And then everything you have over here and over here acts as a hedge to smooth things out so that you don't have to panic and assume that loss. You're able to keep riding the wave up as a collective. Mm -hmm. So uh, as far as the information we teach, uh, we kind of are really big on content about how you get to this place. And then if you want to participate with us in our real estate investments, you have the opportunity to do that. What's your advice for someone wanting to invest with a recession looming over everyone? 
such a good question. So right now, all you hear is uh, everything's on sale. Everything's on sale. <laughs> buy, right? Uh, it's not that it's wrong, but you got to remember, and people forget this, in recessions, people lose jobs. Oh, yeah. When you lose jobs, you lose your income. When you lose your income, it doesn't matter what things are selling for. You're not in a position to participate, right? So in a recession, uh, I, I think cash is king, not only for opportunity, but even for survival. So, uh, you know, in times like this, uh, especially in the last one I went through, uh, dude, I, I, I buckled down. I looked at my expenses. I looked at things that were going out and made sure I was in a position to get through it knowing that there was going to be a lot of opportunity as we start uh, climbing back up. So, so for anyone who's going through this right now, one, recognize that fear and panic and uncertainty is higher than I have ever seen it in my entire life. This is uh, a new thing, at least that I'm experiencing. So right. uh, remember, people make bad decisions when you're panicking and when you're fearful. So take a second to just breathe relax. We're going to get through this. But right now I would be looking at for most people that are going through this for the first time. Uh, how can I put myself in a position where I can get through it? Uh, mm -hmm. Is my job going to be compromised uh, through this recession? If it is, what are the steps I could take to put myself in uh, a good scenario as we climb out? If you have a family, that's a different uh, type of plan. If it's just you, uh, you would argue that there's a little bit less risk on your, on your end. So you're saying if someone does lose their job and they have a family, investing should not be top of mind for them at all. Oh, no, not, not at all. Right now, if, look, if you want, you're, okay, where, where can I go? So it's simple. Your income is your lifeblood, right. right? Your income is how you survive and your income is how you participate in opportunity. So you need to protect that. If that goes away, and you have a family, dude, your priorities change. Your priorities now move into how do I feed my family? Exactly. How do we have shelter? How do we survive, right? So uh, if you're going through that right now, which, dude, a lot of people are, and I think a lot of people uh, are going to continue to, uh, dude, get those expenses down to an all-time low. Some of the things that were in your mind prior, like, investing or you know if you were dealing with debt and you're chipping down debt those are put on the back burner for now and you are going all the way down to like the core what do i need to do to survive mm -hmm. and that's what you're focusing on and and then start looking at how you can make money uh yeah. don't be stuck in your industry right now like this is a, a moment where there's a lot of uncertainty so one thing i want to say i don't like too many people are scared. So I don't want to say like, Oh my God, this is the end. I do not see it as that, I, right. you know, this is something new and unique, but we will get through this. We will figure it out. Right. Right now what we're seeing is like, dude, the States are mandating certain industries be closed. Right. Right. So if your industry is like food right now, right. Restaurants are just getting shit on. Oh, if yeah. that's the case, you might have a moment in time where you need to look at doing something completely outside of your field to get you through this window and then what I think is going to happen is once this thing gets turned on, I think we're going to see a really strong rebound. Then you can kind of start looking in that same space. But right now it's like, dude, we're just dealing with lack of information and, and, and trying to figure out what our best strategy is. But got to 
with a plan. A plan will take away the anxiety. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you said that because that's how I feel too. But I, I, you know, of course, come back, keep coming back to social media. It's like, everything's on sale. You got to buy, you got to buy, you got to get in on this because you're going to be thanking yourself later. And I'm like, well, let's be realistic. Not everyone can do that. You know? So, yep. You just nailed it. Like you've, this is a moment where you've got to be very realistic with your situation, right? Like, yes, there's some people that are going to be in a position to make a lot of money right now. Uh, if you're not in that position, don't look at it and go, well, this sucks. My life's over, right? That's just, we're going to get there, right? Right. This is the good thing about recessions when you think about them, right? They're more painful for a shorter amount of time and there's more upside for a longer amount of time. So you look at like the last recession, it's like, dude, 2008, 2009, 2010, brutal, right? You had three years of just pain, but then you had 10 years. 10 years of like opportunity. So remember, don't get so stuck on like the, the missing out. You're going to get back on track. <laughs> you're going to be able to participate in awesome things. But, but dude, right now, it might be survival, you know? Yeah. And, and I think this is the key moment for people like that who want to participate that, but can't. They can think, okay, when this recession is over, how can I get ready to be able to participate when inevitably so, there is another recession? Boom. So look, this is, this is a, that's such a good topic. Take this time to like the good thing right now is like we have time, right? Yeah. All of us are stuck in our houses. Like, uh, even like, you know, like, you know, if you're able to still work, it's still busy right now, but you do have a little bit more time because we're not driving back and forth. There's no in-person meetings, which seem to be a little bit more efficient, right? So the idea is you have more time. Use this time to come out of this situation stronger, right? Mm-hmm. If it's to look back and go, okay, I just lost my job. I, I uh, do. I I don't want to say uh, don't fear. Uh, there is going to be some fear involved in that. Just don't let the fear take you down. Take the fear and kind of bring it together with a plan. But this is a good time to go. Okay, those were those were things I should have done. How can I implement them now? If you don't have a budget, this is a great time to create a budget, yeah. right? If you've been putting that on the back burner do it now. If you've been spending excessively, this is a good time to hone in on your discipline yep. so that when things start panning out, you start taking advantage of some of the, the, well, let's call it opportunities like people are saying on social media. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that 100%. And I think too, you know, it's crazy that, that it takes people to a point like this to actually get disciplined with everything yeah. financially. That's right. But That's it's, right. I, I think it's kind of like a blessing in disguise because we're saying, you become disciplined now, you're going to be ready come next recession. That's right. And 100%. I think that's key. That's, that's it in a nutshell. But Mikey, I want to be conscious of your time too. So we'll go ahead and start wrapping up. We've talked about a lot. We talked about skateboarding. We talked about the recession. We've talked about God. We've talked about a lot of different things. For a new entrepreneur coming to the space right now in the middle of everything that's going on, what is your number one piece of actionable advice they can implement today? That's a good question. Um, for entrepreneurs coming into this scene, uh, I think most most of us uh, struggle with seeing too much opportunity, right? And and I don't remember who said this quote, but I heard this not not long ago. Uh, entrepreneurs don't die from starvation; they die from indigestion, right? We don't die from like lack of cash to get our vision created. We 
die from trying to do too much stuff and not being able to handle it. So right. uh, if you're an entrepreneur, you usually struggle with that uh, problem of thinking you can accomplish anything and everything and then trying to do too much. So I, I would say, remember that focus on what you want to do and succeed at that first and then worry about doing something else uh, and, and kind of just keep your blinders on. Like, I think it's easy to see all these people, especially on social media, you know, do 40,000 different things and have, yeah. you know, 20 different streams of income. And it, it makes you feel like, oh my gosh, I need to be having this all right now. You don't. Focus on your mission, be very narrow-minded, accomplish it, then worry about the other things. But yep. uh, try not to grab the goal because uh, that can that can be more devastating than uh, failing on your journey to what you're trying to accomplish. And just to reiterate, focus on your purpose and your passion mm. and keep your blinders on there mm. and then everything else will kind of come into play. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Well, Mike, I appreciate your time, man. Where can my right. audience find you on social media? Um, best place to find me is probably Instagram. It's just my name, Mikey Taylor. Um, if you guys are on TikTok, same thing, Mikey Taylor. Uh, <laughs> and you can pretty much find me from anywhere else on Instagram. You could text me, have my number on there. You have my email, uh, and you can pretty much see all my other platforms. Awesome. Yeah. Reach out to Mikey. Let him know what you thought about the episode. Ask him any questions you got. And Mikey, I appreciate your time, man. No, thanks brother. Thanks for listening. I post episodes every Monday and Thursday at 6 a.m. Central Time, and they're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other major podcasting platform. Check out our social media linked in the description and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll catch you next time.